welcome to Sacred Justice, a podcast that features discourse rooted in the pursuit of justice as sacred practice. Our weekly discussions reflect on current events, art, media, theology, and how they intersect with the movements for freedom and liberation. We hope that through these conversations, we can foster inclusivity by expanding our learning opportunities. We hope to cultivate digital community beyond the confines of our campus. And we hope to reconnect the church's social and spiritual callings. Join us for the journey. Good evening, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. I hope you're having a good last day of March. Welcome to our Transgender Day of Visibility conversation. I am so excited because I'm here with my friend Francesca, who I'm going to allow her to introduce herself a little bit later, but I want to say welcome. Welcome on behalf of all of us here at Myers Park Baptist Church. We are a people on a journey of faith who are bold in spirit and open to all. Our mission is to be an inclusive community for spirituality and social justice, and we are so excited that you are joining us tonight. I am Reverend Mia McLean. I will be curating our conversation tonight. I encourage you all to leave little notes and comments in the the chat boxes on Facebook and YouTube. Talk to us so we can include that into the conversation. I just want to let all of you know, particularly on this International Day of Visibility for our transgender friends and neighbors and, and siblings, that we value you, we affirm you, we accept you, we welcome you, regardless of race or ethnic identity, gender identity or expression, sexual orientation, political affiliation, wherever you are and whoever you are, you are welcome and affirmed here at Myers Park Baptist Church. So thank you for joining our conversation tonight. I want to just give you a little bit of history for those of you who may not be familiar. The International Transgender Day of Visibility was started around 2009. It is an annual awareness day around the world that is celebrated. It is a day that is dedicated to uplifting the accomplishments of trans and gender nonconforming and non-binary people while raising awareness of the work that still needs to be done. And let me tell you all, Excuse me, there is work that needs to be done, okay? Even if you are part of an open and affirming church or progressive institution, there is still work to be done. And so we're going to hear a little bit more about that work tonight. As always, with our podcast and our live forums, we like to uplift the work that is being done in our community. And so tonight, in between our segments, we will be highlighting some of the organizations that do this work. One of our friends in the community is Transcend Charlotte. Transcend Charlotte's mission is to pursue equity and social justice for transgender and gender expansive communities through education, advocacy, mental health, and social support services. Their vision is a world where people of all gender identities live their authentic truth, free from discrimination and oppression. 
I have posted on the screen their website. Please go visit them today. Donate today. Don't just like and retweet things you see on social media. Don't just tell people you love them and support them. Put your money where your mouth is and donate to these organizations. Transcend is a good friend of our church, and we are happy to always uplift and support their work. Now, on to the real guest of the hour, so I can stop talking. I am happy to introduce Myers Park Baptist church member, friend of the community, advocate for the community, Francesca Quick. Welcome, Francesca. Hello. Hello to everyone. Thank you. Francesca, give the people an introduction of who you are, where you're from, and, and tell them a little bit about your journey, if you will, to, to the church for the, for the new people out there who don't know who you are. Yeah, my name is Francesca Consuelo Quick. I reside here in Charlotte, North Carolina, but it's been a journey to get to North Carolina. I'm originally from a small town. They said a pretty town in Ditsy. That's Chiral, South Carolina. Most of the people know it's the way to go to Myrtle Beach. <laughs> so most of the people know that. Um, my journey. Wow. I'm definitely going to write a book one day about my journey. Um, definitely a journey to Myers Park has definitely been a spectacular journey, a journey that I would not take over no other. Um, I was sharing with uh, Mia as before we got started, as far as my journey here to Myers Park was a like meant to be journey. As I came to Charlotte, um, I became noticing before I became a member, I heard more about Myers Park than any other church. And I remember attending an event where I was traveling back and forth to Gastonia, where I used to work at. And I remember this couple, same gender loving couple, had was doing the um they were doing the CPR training. And the ladies asked me, it was like, have you ever heard of Myers Park Baptist Church? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, you probably need to come check us out. And I said, well, I'm already a member of a church at that time. And so I went by and then watching TV, I remember seeing Pastor um, Shoemaker, Steve Shoemaker, standing up um, at the Southern Baptist Convention. You were removing Myers Park from it and standing up for you know, gays allowed in the pulpit preaching. And so I'm like, wow, like I never saw this before. And I remember the church that I was at, the pastor was telling us to get in a circle. And she said in a way, um, look at the person next to you. And if they look like you, they talk like you, uh, definitely you need to change your circle. But my mind always think bigger. So when we start changing circles, I was like, wow, well, it was time to do something new. It was time to do something different because I felt like the place that I was at was already affirming of who I was, but I'm bigger than my sexuality. I identify myself as a transsexual woman. I knew 
from an early age, ever since like the third, fourth grade, that I was attracted to men. Um, I say that not in a sexual way, but I had crush crushes, as you remember, just watching guys and never, and just innocent thoughts um, as any female would as she look at another guy. And I knew that's who I was, but no one, where I was from, no one would ever talk about it. Nobody would ever mention it. You knew of gay men and stuff, but nobody would ever talk about like why they act the way they act, why they were, they were just, everything was quiet, hush, hush. So as I continue to discover myself, as I continue to keep an open mind to educate myself, um, went to college, went to Shaw University, Shaw U, you know, got to give a shout out. To you Shaw know, that's, that's where Reverend Tara went for Divinity yes. School. That's right. <laughs> so um, went there and um, I thought everything was going to go away, <laughs> my feelings and everything. Then I'm like, in the dorm with a bunch of guys and becoming attracted to some of the guys there at school. And I'm like, oh, wow. So this is when reality kick in. It is now time for you to start dealing with yourself. It's time for you to start dealing with the real you. And so um, I reached out to different organizations, to different people. And a lot of people talked to me, gave me a lot of literature to read. And so as I was reading, um, at that time, I had identified myself just as a gay male. And as I went through college and started matriculating and started workforce, as I became a teacher, taught there um, in the Wake County Public Schools probably like a year until I became in a relationship with a same gender loving um, guy and relocated to Charlotte. And I um, started finding out more who I was. And I found out like the niche of being in a relationship just with a gay man wasn't enough. Like I was more of a woman than anything. I felt in tune. The relationships that I were in were basically with heterosexual men. So I knew like my journey had to take a different course. And I had to take a different walk where I knew like, okay, to be in a relationship, to be able to be in knowledge, not just sexually, but I'm talking about like doing fun things, being part of a family, like it had to be something different. So I knew that I had to take that next step. You know, um, I was like, okay, this is what I feel like, but I had to make sure that the mental state was together. And to make a long story short, I think the best thing was that I already knew who I was. The biggest concern, like I was telling Mia, was my relationship with God. You know, I came from a Pentecostal background. So I was like, oh Lord, I don't want to go to hell. That was the biggest question <laughs> until another pastor was like giving me literature to read to examine myself, that um, to see what my walk of life would be. And so as I became reading, became knowledgeable about more things, became introduced to more things, 
and allowed to spirit things to myself. And I think like my great aunt um, in New Jersey, she was just like a bit supportive for my walk. And she was just like, talk to me about things and the ways that I would feel and what I was feeling and just allowed me to know that my feelings were very valid and it definitely meant something. And so just with me being able to travel around the world, different places, it gave me a different look to be exposed to different things and not just a small mentality of small thinking, um, living where I grew up at, that the people would do. And even here in Charlotte, it's a big city, but just a small minded, you know, mediocre thinking people just just think one way that God made you a man. God made you a woman, man and woman supposed to be together, period. Mm. That didn't end that for me. That started a new journey for me that I had to explore. Like, I want to be happy. I want to be happy with someone. I want to be happy with myself. The way that I look, the way that I feel from inside out, it had to match. The inside had to match the outside. The outside mm. got to match the inside. <laughs> this period. You know, some people say, why you do it? You know, I do it because I'm free. This is who I am. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> this is who I am, you know, and I am who I am because I am. You know, um, you know, I admire Oprah so much and I listen to her words of encouragement, her words of power, uplifting people. And I think the most powerful thing that she has said, you know, as you're journeying, you know, um, we talk about, you know, finding yourself. And I can remember in the, I think that was the 10th grade as we was journaling. And a teacher said, I want you to write um, what you like to do in life, who, you know, um, what you want to be. And I remember going back to that journey in fifth grade. And I said, I want to be like Oprah. I want to be a talk show host. And it's so crazy how a lot of things just come into play because that was what I wanted to do after I had resigned from teaching, becoming partially blind. And um, that hurt a lot because I had to accept some new things and just transforming my whole life to becoming a full-fledged woman. That was very difficult because, you know, <laughs> it comes with the sight and making sure things was on point and it was just a different journey for any other transsexual woman because I had a disability. Mm. And um, that's something that startles me every time when I approach a relationship and I make sure that it's clear. Like, this is who I am. Not only I have to say, okay, I'm a transsexual woman, but also <laughs> I'm partially blind. So... I got things against me negative going both ways, not just because of who I am, but also the disability that I struggle with. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize how it is so important, your part as far as in a disabled person's life, to be able to give them the freedom to be able to explore their independency. And one thing I do love about the church is that they do that for me. People don't hold my hand. People don't say, well, Francesca, you're going the wrong way. They say, Francesca, you know where you're going? Yes, I do. Okay, then. If you need any help, I'm here. 
you know, I love the progressiveness of our church because not only is open for people with the identity crisis of their sexuality, it's open to all the people who are disabled as well. Yeah. You know, so I definitely encourage people, you know, um, check yourself, you know, um, always check your environment, yours, where you go to church at. Is this what you really believe in? And I think the most important thing, and I'm going to say this, I don't let Mia go ahead and ask her questions. I think the most thing, I've never been in a church that I can agree with the creed. I remember being in a lot of churches and I can remember seeing the Apostle Creed up on the wall. And I said, oh, wow, there's some things I don't agree with that. But this was like one church that I've been into, like I can read the creed of the church and I can say I identify with that and I can agree with everything that it says mm, because yeah. it included me. So, um, <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. You got some good comments coming in. Pamela says, I support you being who you are. <laughs> you are so important. Carrie says, you are a role model for others. Mm. Um, and then earlier, Tara said, shout out to your supportive auntie that you talked about in New Jersey. <laughs> and then we got Matt Kane is saying, thank you so much, Francesca, for sharing your story and inviting mm. us to be a part of your community. Thank mm. you for including us. We love you. Oh, okay, you are loved, you. okay? <laughs> thank, you. thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to get into a few topics tonight. Um, you know, whatever, every time I talk to Francesca, she has a lot to say about a lot of things going on in the world. So I said, well, let's, let's get some topics together right. for this evening. So I want to start off, Francesca, with topic number one, which is the housing crisis in Charlotte. Ooh. We've been talking about this for a couple of months now, me and you just chatting quickly. But I'm, I've read a few statistics in the Charlotte Observer um, Charlotte Observer said last fall, homelessness among LGBTQ youth is getting worse in Charlotte. And there are stats nationwide that say LGBTQ youth represent over 40 percent of youth homeless population. And I know you have you've been in Charlotte over 20 years. You've seen a lot of this play out. Talk to me about what you've what you've experienced and what you've witnessed with the, the housing crisis here. Well, um, I, well, I'm, I'm part of the problem <laughs> and I like being part of the problem because I don't come from a high income base. I mean, I was, but guess what? Life showed up. So it put me in the boat as far as being in the lower class, the people I've already, I've been homeless before and that's what drove me to help out with the homeless ministry because I have seen my people out there trying to be something that they are not just that they can get fed just for they can get housed. And even where I live at now, um, well, the church had to help me out many times before as far as facing discrimination because of who I decided to be. And so with some of the things that uh, we are facing, especially with our youth, and I have to say, we have to continue to support our youth 
we have to continue to love on our youth because they are so important. And let me tell you something, and we're going to get that to more when we start talking about the transgender issues that's happening in Texas and other states. The kids that are born now, they know they sell. A lot of people are questioning them. Oh, do they know what they're doing? This generation that I was born in, I can say we clearly did not know who we were because we was told who we supposed to be. These youth that are coming up now, they know their journey. They know who they are. We just have to spear and guide them into the right destination, make sure that they're placed in the right hands as far as getting the assistance that they need. Um, and there are places out here to be able to do that. And thank God for some of these um, resources as me are now some of these sponsors, some of the people that are doing the work. And our job as far as people saying, well, what can I do? Well, me is giving you some of the um, agencies that are out here to support um, the walks. I say my walk, our walk together as far as to help people to be able to get housed. But it is a very struggle. You know, we saw Tent City that's been placed here in Charlotte. They had to relocate. And then you talk about the youth. Um, they are becoming homeless every day. Um, I go back and I think it is still this time. I remember growing up in the Ricky Lake days where kids, where Ricky Lake show, go back with me. Everybody <laughs> remember the Ricky Lake show. I do. <laughs> Ricky Lake used to come out there bring the gay. It just used to be the gay issue. So they would come out there and say, um, I told my mom, dad, I'm gay. They would keep the kids out of the house. I remember I was sitting in the living room and my sister boyfriend had said, oh, uh, Miss Quick, what you would do if you find out that Francesca was gay? And I remember my mom said, I would kick his A out. And I was like, oh my God, I would never tell my mom. And then my mom said to me, why you never told me? And I repeated it to her what she said. She was like, oh, I remember that. Oh, but you are my child. That's something different. And so for the longest, I had to sit with that. And this is what our youth are facing. They are no longer saying, I'm going to sit in the house with mama and daddy or whoever they are living with and sit up here and carry this burden. I'm going to get out here and make something happen, even if I have to live on the street. Mm. And that's what we are facing now. And some of these kids don't have no income, which is definitely hurting us. And they don't have no kind of um, guidance, no kind of, because people don't want to touch them. People don't, oh, they just, they just a menace to society. And they're not. They're trying to make way. They're trying to make things happen. So places like this, Myers Park, is a place like that we can be able to not just tell our youth what to do, but help them. Like, how can I support your journey? How can I support you? Yeah. Yeah. And and like Reverend Tara was saying in the comments, she says, along with the housing crisis, many of the youth are experiencing mental health emergencies yeah. at a greater number now. Um, and we have to be very mindful of that. Mm -hmm. A lot of the youth that are 
um, that are becoming homeless are also mm -hmm. dealing with mental exactly. health and physical health challenges. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I think they are because, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, we experience that, Mia, you know, when you have room in the end, you know, everybody just, you know, you treat everybody accordingly. Yeah. But also, I think as your job is, as you are volunteering, if it's room in the end, if it's homeless or if you're on the street helping people out, listen to that conversation, you know, because sometimes it could be a mental issue going on. And then sometimes some people don't even know they got a mental issue going on or even they don't have any kind of benefits or health insurance to be able to help them to get the medication that they're going to need yeah. or even a steady place to stay yeah. because that is trauma. Yes. I have been homeless before. I remember leaving college and I supposed to be staying with a 90 year old man say, okay, well, you ain't got to pay for college, but this will give you a chance to save up money. And I remember the lady said, I stole something. And I remember she called the church and said, I want her out. I was out. I had to leave there immediately. I was in a hotel like for a whole year. And it disturbed my peace, my way of living, my health. I had lost so much weight. I was like, like 98 pounds. Mm. And so when things, homelessness gets to you and you're not worrying about uh, what's the next assignment, you're trying to worry about what's the next place to live? What's the next place to stay? What's the next story I got to tell the next person to let them explain my situation to them? or how I ended up the way I did. And then some people don't have the voice to speak for themselves. So that's why I think it is so important that not only that we help out, but also that we can be a voice or even help them to be able to form their own voice. Yeah, yeah. Carl, Carla Hines says, you never know what people are going through. And it's all of these different things are working together. And for those of you who don't know what Room in the Inn is, it's a program in the city of Charlotte where a bunch of faith communities, they pick a night of the week and they house our homeless neighbors on the campus. So we we generally do it on Saturday nights at our church. And Francesca's right. Francesca and I were overnight hosts last Saturday, and there was definitely one person there who I can I can tell had experienced some significant trauma and was having some mental health uh, crisis issues. Right. And it's just all of this stuff works together. And so we can't just tend to one thing. We got to always be talking mm -hmm. about the other things that need tending to, whether it's disability or food insecurity, all of these things work together to get a person to wholeness. Right. I want to take a, a quick break to share one of our partners again, who's helping us address this issue regarding the housing insecurity of young LGBTQ identified people in Charlotte. This organization is called Carolina Cares Partnership, mm -hmm. and they are working in partnership right now with Transcend, who I mentioned Definitely. earlier. Carolina's Care Partnership is a nonprofit organization seeking justice through health and housing. They provide affordable housing and comprehensive HIV services such as testing and case management. They also provide mental health resources. They have a number of social workers and therapists on their staff. 
they are really out to help LGBTQ youth right now, particularly those who at who are at risk or who are already living with HIV mm-hmm. and who are um, in a, a period of housing insecurity in their lives. So please visit their website, donate to these organizations. We have mm-hmm. Transcend Charlotte. We have Carolina's Care, and they're working in partnership to help us address the housing crisis in Charlotte. So we have a comment here. um, uh, Wondering if you know Kyle Kintop and his family at Umstead Park United Church of Christ in Raleigh. That church Mm -hmm. walked with Kyle and his family on his journey, a very painful journey. so I'm not sure if you know that, Francesco, or somebody else who's watching, you can look that story up. I'm sure um, it, it's important for us to always be knowing what's happening at our mm. other faith uh, community partners. Right. Yeah. I never um, I never um, heard of that church. Um, I do know there are some supportive churches in Raleigh. I know it always have been... Um, I can't think of the other name, but it was another church that's up there was very supportive of a lot of our walks and our journey. And then we know that we have now one of our very own up there. We got Christy up there that's pastoring also in Raleigh. So um, I'm not very familiar with that church or their belief system, but I do know of some that were very friendly Um as I've been in Raleigh at my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I do know it's the United Church of Christ and generally a lot of the mm-hmm. United Church of Christ churches are open and affirming. So yeah. if you're in, if you need recommendations, you know where to find us. <laughs> if somebody wants to mm-hmm. drop Reverend Chrissy Williamson's church in the chat so I can post it up, yeah. do that because she's over that way as well. So we want to make sure our, our friends in Eastern North Carolina can know that they have support over there too. So I want to shift a little bit to topic two. There has been so much legislation happening. I can't keep up, Francesca. I don't know if you've been able to keep up with everything. everything. No, (laughs) it's impossible. For for those of you who may need to be caught up, Mm -hmm. one of them is regarding um, Governor Abbott in Texas, who uh, announces that um, gender-affirming medical (laughs) treatments to transgender youth constitutes child abuse under state law now. Um, And so basically, if a family is trying to help their child get gender affirming care, Mm -hmm. the family, the the parents, uh, or whoever the guardians are, can Mm -hmm. be criminalized for that, which in turn criminalizes the youth. Mm -hmm. And then we heard yesterday out of Oklahoma, and a a host of other states have followed suits, that um, there is legislation that will criminalize and or discriminate against transgender and non-binary women, in particular women and girls who want to compete in a sport. They can no longer compete in that sport. So that Mm. rolled out in Utah and in Oklahoma and a couple of other places, I'm sure. Drop them in the comment section because I literally can't keep up. It's been a whirlwind (laughs) all month. Francesca, what are your thoughts? And I mean, I mean, it's just so much to take right now. And people are getting very discouraged. Right. Um, I love NPR. I love listening to their news. I think they're very healthy. I think they are against any toxic (laughs) information that's placed out there. Um, Oh, this situation is big. Um, Every state 
every Medicaid state, every state has their own law. And that's something that you have to look up for yourself. Like wherever you're from, whatever state you're from, you need to make sure that you're looking at that law and that state. Because I know when Governor um, Abbott and some of the other parishioners there that were trying to criminalize this and criminalize the people, but the state themselves, they looked at the law and was like, just totally ignored it, didn't really say anything about it because they were saying that the government was trying to push them to discriminate, go against the law that already has been written and in place. Because even as I journey here in North Carolina, as was when you start looking at the law that has been laid out, and thank God for Barack Obama, um, had put down protection for the trans community. And then also, as far as if you wanted to be identified or if you felt like um, you were being, it, it creates a mental state as far as a person, as far as with a identity, because they may look at themselves as a female or a male, but when they look in the mirror, they like, but the body part is still there. This is still there. And that's how the way, quote unquote, our world identify, okay, this, you are a man, you are a girl, you are a boy, whatever. So this is so important because this is dealing with how a person feel about themselves, how they will live their life out, what impact their life. Because I know as I went through, it deals with depression, your self-esteem, how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so this is what our youth is dealing with. A lot of times we don't understand why youth is acting out is because they're not being their authentic self. They're crying out for help because, hey, mama, I know I'm a female. I need to be her. Now, I know I'm a guy. I need to be a guy. And I think one important thing, too, I remember watching the Oprah show um, back in the day when Oprah was talking to a lot of transgender. And then she started talking to the parents. The parents were making decisions only God can make. Parents were kids were born with both genitalia. And mom and dad say, oh, but I think she would be a pretty little girl. And when the female grew up. She now has to be classified as a lesbian because she was, I want to be called him. So sometimes we as parents, we're taking responsibility because this is what we want. And so that is a power pack there, you know, because people really feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian and there's nothing against the Christians and there's other religions too or other people the way they think. But just because you were born this way, that way, or have this certain genitalia, oh, this is what you're supposed to be doing, or we're going to get rid of this, and this is who you are. And then we have the confrontation when it comes back, when a child decides to start living their life out a different type of way. And they're like, well, what happened? Well, mom and dad made a decision. Mm. Mm. And so it's a lot to deal with. See, people just think it's easy as, oh, you was born with this, so you're a girl. You was born with that. You're No, it goes deeper than that. Yeah. It goes deeper. And even now we're seeing in Texas where there are parents who want to support their children. Yes, they do. But now the, the law is being put in place. They're being investigated for trying to help their child get gender-affirming health care. Right. 
Um, I didn't read too much upon the law that's in Texas, yeah. but I think the state law there in Texas, they are saying like it's because um, I know here in North Carolina, by me taking hormones um, or getting surgery, um, there are guidelines and these you cannot just listen to the media. You just can't listen to it. There are guidelines. If you're trying to do a sex change or become someone different than your gender was born, that you were born, you have to go through psychological training. I mean, therapy. So it's just not somebody saying, I want a sex change. I want to become a man. I want to become a woman. These are steps. And that therapist has to watch you a whole year. And then after that, and then you have to decide as far as what your journey is going to look like. And then that goes along with the parents. And thank God for these parents because they are supportive. They are willing to work out trying to see what they can do as far as to get their child the help that they need. And so I am, I am on their side all the way. I think where we need to be at in position of as far as, as people advocates or people or church-based community is finding out um, what can you do or what can we do as support with these family. And then don't, I think where people is looking at, they're trying to look at the moral conversation. It's just morally right. Mm-hmm. It's just morally good. Okay, now we already know there's a lot of things that our government do or does that is not morally correct. So we need to take that out of the equation if we're trying to judge someone. We need to look at what's the real issue here. This person cannot be who they authentically are if they're not in this arena or in this body. Mm -hmm. Some people can and I can be a witness. There's some people who can, but then there are some people needs to go through the hormonal treatment. They need to go through the surgery for they can be able to be fitly, rightly in their right body for they can be, because who to say by us making the law saying, this is not who you are and we're not going to allow them to become this. And we missing out on the next president. We miss not on the next person that's going to solve the next pandemic of AIDS or that's going to heal something or heal someone. We don't know what we're doing. We're stopping people's dreams. We're stopping, you know, because I realized if I did not become Francesca, how many lives that I would not impact it? Yes. There have been a lot of people still stuck in the closet wondering, oh, I'm down here in the country. I can never be myself. So someone has to take the chances, and these youth are taking the chances. We say that conversation for later. That's in-house keeping when we start talking to our youth, you know, about what we look as you living a decent life. Because we have to make sure that we're sending these kids to the right doctors. I thank God for all my doctors because they are very great. They're excellent. When I say excellent doctors, they're not just going in for the money. No, they're saying, okay, so why are you planning to have your sex change? Why you want this to happen? Are you in a relationship now? Mm. 
these are the questions. These the doctors are doing their job. We, the government job is you pass these laws, allow the parents, you ask the parents to rear, and now you want to take them back from the parents as they are doing their job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Woo! You preaching. You never know who you who whose dreams you're stopping mm-hmm. when you tell somebody they can't be their authentic self. That is a word. Mm-hmm. That is a sermon on tonight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think that we need to support or find ways how we can support these other places that are struggling. Yeah. North Carolina is struggling, but our healthcare, I get, I get, I get good care. Yeah. For some of the best doctors. Now there are some that don't because they don't have the insurance. So these are the agencies here. That's what they're there for. Yeah. To utilize them. And we need more hands-on debt to be able to help, because see, some of these kids are qualified for Social Security. They're qualified, if they're not qualified for Social Security, they are qualified for um, Medicaid. So if we can be able to get people to be able to reach out to our youth, seeing what are the sources to be able to help out with their um, with their health, I think that's gonna be the important part of the journey. Because every state is different. Every state is very different. That And that, that's a great segue, Francesca. Thank you for that. Some of the ways that you're, you can reach out state by state to see what state by state is doing is by going to the transgenderlawcenter.org. Mm-hmm. I follow Transgender Law Center. It is the largest national trans-led, or, trans-led organization advocating mm-hmm. For a world in which all people are free to define themselves and their Mm. futures, Hmm. it is grounded in legal expertise and Mm. committed to racial justice. Mm. So this organization, if you go to their website tonight, please try to donate something. They are recommending, you know, what's going on in Arizona, what's going on in Texas, what's happening in Missouri for people nationwide, because state by state can be so different. So if you're looking Mm -hmm. for that information Visit the Transgender Law Center, fill out some of their petitions so we can get some of these laws passed or some other laws stopped, right? (laughs) Find out what's happening in your neighborhood. We're getting ready to wrap up, Francesca, but I want to ask you just one more question. How can faith communities who are passionate about this topic, about this particular work, Caring for the marginalized, who are marginalized because of their identities and their orientations. How can they be advocates? What are some ways that we can be an advocate? Because the work is not finished. There is work to be done. It's a lot of work. A lot of work. I think we have to come open-minded and ready to listen. Don't come with a prepared agenda like you already know what's happening and you know the answer we're not going to listen. And those youth are definitely not going to listen to you. I think you need to come ready to listen, ready to sit down. Um, I think was one thing that is so important is, you know, I'm, I mean, Oprah was talking about, I'm a fan of Oprah. I'll be listening to some of her talks and motivation speaking. And I think she said something that was very clear tonight she was saying when you can be able to feel 
That's compassion. When you can be able to feel what a person going through, when you be able to see the shoes that they have to walk in, that's compassion. You know, not going in like you're trying to change somebody, but you're walking in and saying, okay, I'm here to help. I'm here. You know, what's going on? You know, um, I think just being able to open the door, like I opened the door policy here at Myers Park, you know, we thought we was open until some new faces had to show up and show like we need to become more open. <laughs> so thank God for our new, you know, ministerial staff, just like with yourself, Mia, with Tora, a lot of faces that brings like more people that saying, hey, I want to check out this faith here because they different. So I think like with um, just with a clear heart, clear your motive, your motive is always to. And I learned this from Pastor Steve Shoemaker was always be very intentional. People would know when you're intentional, you know, stand them in the face, shaking their hands, listen to what they're saying, repeating back to them what they said to you. It is so very important. And I think with our youth is, and just with anyone, is listen to their story because they have something to say. And I think people just want to be heard. They want to be listened to. And not that they're looking for a handout or not looking for a change next tomorrow, but what people is want to know, do you hear what I'm saying? Mm. I'm starving. Mm. I don't have nowhere to go. Mm. The church kicked me out. Yeah. You know? So, um, Prayerfully, and I know we are, that Myers Park has been an example to some other churches out here, that they will open their doors. They will become more affirming. And I'm going to say this, and I and, and I thought about this today, and I said, wow, I lived in some crazy times. And I remember in Raleigh, I don't call no church names, but I remember sitting in this church, and I remember this pastor getting up there, and he said, this is a license tag of uh, the LGBTQ question community. And he said, I need for my uh, security to go out there in the parking lot and see if any member got this on their car. Because if they do, I need for you to bring it back because we're going to handle this today. And I said, what? So... This thing is bigger than just Charlotte or bigger than what we really think. Kids, people are scared to be themselves because they scared their life and their life is at, in danger, is at risk. Living on the street, very dangerous. Mm. Living, sleeping on the bridge, very dangerous. So we have to find a way to be able to help take part at solving the homeless issue here in Charlotte. Yeah. This um, marginalized where people are want to restrict people where, or no label people. This yeah. is where you need to be. This is where you need to be. We need to come in ready to work. Also finding a safe place that um, people can be able to, that they won't become vulnerable that they won't become vulnerable, that they can be able to be themselves and not only just with, you know, same gender loving people, but people who out there who probably had it all mm. and they lost it. 
Because yeah. during this time of COVID, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their places. And I was there, I was telling you, Mia, the other time, as I was listening to the guy on his um, podcast, and he was just talking about his concern as being middle class. I said, I don't know what that is. I'm talking about people who are homeless. I'm talking about they haven't heard our story yet. Yeah. They haven't heard the people who um, is fighting every day, live from paycheck to paycheck. They haven't heard our story. So people are talking about, oh, I lost a Benz today. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, be for real. Like, people are, like, sleeping in boxes. Yes. Here yeah. in Charlotte. And I know there are third world countries, third world countries who don't have a homeless body. Mm-hmm. So we we have to check our motives or our intentions and what we are really about and who we really are. Yeah. So I, I, I just ask that people will reach out, find somewhere deeper than yourselves, bigger than yourself. Bigger than, it's bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Bigger than us. Francesca, thank you so much for, for, for sharing with us tonight. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Yeah. For yeah. anyone who's, who's listening, who questions their faith and their identity, I want to leave you with this. You are affirmed by God. You are loved by God. You are created by God, the God who can do all things, the God whose imagination is expansive. I believe in a God with an expansive imagination that sees beyond man and woman. There is so much more. There is so much more in the realm of God. And I want you to know that God walks with you and talks with you. And God tells you that you are God's own child. Yes. I have a resource here called the Black Trans Prayer Book, uh-huh. written by some folks I know. It is an interfaith, mm-hmm. multidimensional, artistic, and yes. theological work that collects stories, poems, prayers, mm-hmm. and meditations that really centers the lives of Black trans and non-binary people. There are Black trans and mm-hmm. non-binary people who are people of faith, who mm-hmm. pray, who meditate, who yes. believe in God. And if you are one of those who is struggling with that relationship, I want you to know that there's resources out here for you. Yes. So the Black Trans Prayer Book is one of them. So please Google that, check it out. If yeah. you have questions, email me. I want to look at some <laughs> of the final comments, Francesca. Tara Gibbs says, amazing job tonight. Oh, thank you. Matt Kane says, thank you so much for your courage to live into yeah. The unique portion of God's image you bear in the world. Oh, yeah. And Laura Gear says, God loves you unconditionally. <laughs> All right, Laura. <laughs> Bro- Brother Luke, Brother Luke says that was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Francesca, thank you so much. And thank you yeah. for all who have attended this yes. evening. Thank you all. We hope to see you in church on yes, Sunday online <laughs> or in person or yeah. at our next event. Yes. Y'all take care. Take care. Good night. Good night. Friends, that was our episode this week. As always, please email your questions and your suggestions to Reverend Mia McLean at mmcclain at myersparkbaptist.org. Until next time, take care. This is Sacred Justice.